good Sunday morning. Welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies. Sunday Rise. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG. Fresh in off my trip on the mothership last night. Party went well. Joined by the incomparable, the undefeated, and the undisputed Midnight Rider. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. How you feeling? Hey, man, I've been in my bag this whole week, man. I sat on my glasses. I had to fix them somehow because I don't know the next time I'm getting to a classic shop. So, hey, man, we're making it do. We got what to do, man. I feel, you, man. I feel you. I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm uh, trying to, like I said last night, and I've been saying all week, we we trying to get some logistical things done in the studio. So we moving around and doing what we got to do to get this show back running smoothly again but it's like everybody got something logistical going on so just bear with us bear with our dust because we are coming back strong so let's jump off in this thing all right oh ja ja morant suspended for two games first so many things have come out they said last summer he punched a teenager at first i heard he was 13 and i heard he was 17 but either way he was a teenager he punched him 12 to 13 times and waved a gun in his face. That was one. Two was uh, he, him and nine people went back up to the mall to a shoe store to get into it with people in the shoe store because they disrespected his mom. Then this latest incident, which happened night before last, he was on live. I think he was at a club and he was waving a gun around in the club on live. The NBA is investigating, and now they have suspended him for two games. Uh, Gilbert Arenas chimed in on this, and he was like, well, I don't see nothing wrong with it. I would think I would expect that from Gil. I really would. I would expect that from him. Um, your thoughts, your opinions on this John Morant situation? Fame is a hell of a drug, man. I mean, the kid came out early, said um, – I think it was Taylor um, interviewing him, and she said, um, what do you need to win the West? He came out with his bravado and was like, I'm good in the West. All I'm worrying about is like Boston or something like that is what he said, or to an extent what he was saying. Basically, he can get out of the West with no problem. He's worrying about the other side of the conference, I mean, of the league. And that bothered me to begin with. Um, I love the bravado. I love the confidence. But – there's a point where you got to also have some respect, you know, because you, you guys haven't won anything. You're not there yet. You can't you can't stomp stomp around the, the yard like a big dog when you ain't you ain't won nothing. You have no titles, nothing to your name, yeah. and you 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 pound on your chest. I just don't get it. Like they doing victory laps, and you just made the Western Conference Finals. That's it. And what's crazy is. You know what I heard? What I heard? You haven't arrived yet. That's what I heard. Oh yeah. You know, you 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 a little dog. You still piss with your leg down, and you still what? on the porch. <laughs> That's what I but heard. It's, it's amazing to me how how that happened. Um, but I like I like their bravado because at least they're trying something. And we this is probably the most you ever talked about Memphis to job specifically. I just think the dude kind of lost in the moment. I mean, I think it's women. Everything's so big in in his world that his world wasn't ready for it. So little things are coming out that he's just that's just 
gnawing at him. And how he comes out of this on the other side is going to be his either his redemption story or the, the, the cursory tale to a narrative that of a um, life gone wrong. So that's how I see this. I see this as his crossroads. And he's got to figure it out. What kind of guy am I? Because, um, I mean, Shannon said it. You, that's not your lifestyle. So stop trying to fake it. But until he realizes that and he gets comfortable not not having to be that guy, he's going to be in trouble. So I wonder who his mentors are that get in his ear, and hopefully he has someone that can tell him no, and that's not a person that's going to just say yeah and go along with everything like it's cool. Here's my thing, and I've been holding on to this because, number one, everybody says Shannon Sharp was wrong for what he said to him. Shannon Sharp was absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Number two, the bygone era that I've been trying to tell everybody, hey, when you got young guys, you have to pair them with a the veteran. You have to have a veteran that's been in this league that can say, hey, look out for this, 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 and this. You need to watch this. You need to watch who you hang with. Nah, come on. Hang with me, Rook. Forget all that. Oh, that's not going to happen no more because veterans don't do this and veterans don't. Veterans do do that. But those young guys think they know it all. See, if John Morant had a vet in his ear, he wouldn't be making these mistakes. If you had the the, the, the Tim Duncan, and guys change teams too much for this to happen, but if you had the Tim Duncan, David Robinson experience where Tim Duncan stayed with David Robinson for two weeks as a rookie, to learn NBA life and what it was like. He stayed with him two weeks. You don't have veterans coming to pick up the young bull at the airport and be like, nah, you coming to stay with me till you get on your feet. You know, it's so many. Well, the problem is the veteran is only 24 years old. Exactly. That And that's the, you don't have those savvy veterans that's 29, 30, got the dumb stuff out of their system. And they like, look, or they, you know, they, they, they're the AC Greens. Because if I had AC Green on my team back in the day, I'm pairing AC Green with whatever rookie, you know. And then we have the rookie symposium. They tell you all of these things. NBA, NFL, I don't even know if the MLB and the NHL have it, but I know MLB, I mean, uh, NBA and the NFL have the rookie symposium where they tell you these things to look out for. Who not to hang with? You know, Chris Carter lost his job at ESPN because he's like, you got to have a fall guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that. I'm like, yeah, you got to have a guy that's going to take the fall for everything. That way you come out clean. However, John Morant is, and, and I don't, you say a mentor. I think his dad is mentor enough. He's lucky enough to have his dad in his life. And has had his dad in his life as well as his mom. You grew up in a two-parent household. <laughs> and you telling me, not, not saying, you know, it's not possible. But you grew up in a two-parent household. You went to private school. You've been afforded the chance to play on the biggest stage in the world of the NBA. And now all of a sudden you want to be a thug? You want to be a gangster? So you must have heard the um, the eight mile version. Yeah, video. I, I, I heard that, but then also I, I did my my research, and he actually did go to private school. Here's my thing. I think it, what he's doing 
is detrimental to himself, but it's also disrespectful to his parents because they mm -hmm. tried to they tried their damnedest to keep him away from the streets. But now you're trying to run to the streets now that you have money. But it's people that's in the streets that's trying to get away from the streets to go make money legitly. And you're trying to go back to it. You got that reverse mindset. Everybody's struggling to get out. You're struggling to get in. Dog, that's not how you fit in. That is not how you fit in. If you can't understand that there's only two ways out of the streets, jail or death, and you can't understand that, dude, you're in the NBA. Ain't nothing in the streets for you. You want to go to the club, go to the club and sit in VIP, chill out with your people. But you got to understand some of those people that are around you, they're not there because they love you or they support you. They're there because of what you can do for them. Yep. You have to understand that. The faster you understand that, the better your life will be. And this goes for friends, family, anybody. Anybody can get cut off. Yep. Let's cut them off. But when we say stuff like, oh, y'all hating a young boy just trying to have fun and this, that, and the other. So waving a gun around on live, pointing a gun at a teenager, punching him in the face, and then pointing a the gun at him in a pickup game. Is having fun. Now, before we get off this topic, I have a teenage son. I have two teenage sons. Now, if they go to play, and I, what was said was, oh, well, he told Ja he was going to shoot up his house. He's going to light it up like a Christmas tree. You got to be smart enough to walk away from that. You got to be yeah. very smart enough. You can't let somebody bait you in to doing something stupid like that. Because they're saying dollar signs. That's what they're saying. You just saying, oh, he just disrespected me. All right, player, do what you do. Now, on the flip side, if he didn't say that, you hit one of my teenage sons and you pull a gun out and you wave it in his face like you're going to do something. Nine times out of ten, well, let's say eight times out of ten, I'm already sitting on the sidelines watching them play. I love watching my kids play because I, I love to coach from the sidelines. You know, I'm yelling strap up, you know, but you do that to my son. I don't care if you're an NBA star. You could be anybody. You could be the most powerful man. You could be Warren Buffett for all I care. You could be Bill Gates. But you punch my teenage son and put a gun in his face. That's a whole nother problem you have. Mm -hmm. Because me personally, you just threatened my kid's life with that gun. Whether, you know, if it was warranted or not, it didn't need to come to that over a pickup game. Now, if my son got out of hand and disrespected you, I'll handle that. I'll handle that because I know he's wrong. So I just so it doesn't escalate, I'm jumping in there. Hey, get your ass in the car. Let's go. You know you fucked up for that. But now if he didn't do anything and you did this, now you got a problem with me. Forget having a problem with the teenager. Now you got a problem with a grown ass man. And I'm the type that I, I'm, I'm diabolical. I may not get you today, may not get you tomorrow. I may get you five years from now and make you remember. But I'm going to get you. See, that's a whole nother can of worms that you got to open up. You got to understand you cannot go to war with people who have nothing to lose when you have you everything to lose. That's the key to the whole thing. Just recognizing what's that state. I hope he, you know, he put out a, 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 a statement about how he's sorry and this, that, and other. 
Don't be sorry, ho. Be careful. Yep. It's just, and it breaks my heart because I like to do so much. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm a fan of his, but it breaks my heart that he does, anybody that does dumb stuff like this, like you've made it. You got the money. You're one of the best players in the league. Act like it. She also got to remember, he he didn't have that shine that everybody else had coming out. True. So this is his fame. Like, um, the story goes that there was a coach at Murray State from Murray State that just happened to be at this AAU tournament. Um, he went to go get a hot dog, and in the auxiliary gym, this kid was jumping around, dunking, and doing stuff. So he goes because he kept hearing um, all the noise from the other room. He goes and checks it out and stumbles across Jaw that way. That's how Jaw ends up at Murray State. So he didn't have the glitz and glamour before he got there. If he got anything, it was off of whatever coattails Zion had. But he never had his own personal shot. I get it. So, like, this is his, you know, this is his um, first steps, his emphasis in being the man, being famous. But, you know, you know what I don't want for him? I don't want him to be 32, 33, 34 years old. And they're doing a Where Are They Now episode of something. And he's somewhere, he'd be like, well, yeah, I had it all and I messed it up. I threw it away. Now I'm trying to talk to kids about not throwing it away. How about you don't throw it away and you still talk to kids about not throwing it away? And then when you're 34, 35 years old, you're still in the league. You're still producing. You know, you're still going through the motions of being an NBA player. You got a, a, a couple of awards under your belt. You got some community awards. You got a scoring title. You, you, you know, you got an MVP, like things like that. Have a solid career, build your resume, and then start. You know, you're already planning for retirement already because you never know when it ends. So you're saving your money. I thought it was so beautiful that he bought his parents a house next door to his. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful. And I was like, okay, that is great. But then all of this is coming out. This is heartbreaking to me. It really is. I I, I just I, I want to hear what his dad has to say. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear what his dad has to say. Moving on. Moving on. NFL Combine News. Ah, man. We had some surprises at the Combine. Oh, uh, you said surprises? Yeah. What was the surprise? What was what was my man name? Uh, they ran the 4-3. Oh, you talking about the kid, the Jaquim Bennett cornerback yeah. from Maryland? Yeah. Did you so think the, he was the, the two Maryland corners? The two Maryland corners, the Devontae Banks or Durante Banks, um, and I think it's Joachim Bennett or something like that. They both ran back to back four threes. So one was like a four three oh, one was a four three six. I get so I knew Baker was gonna run a good one. Cause I have Baker at he's falling between five and six for me in terms of corners in this draft. Um, I think he we particularly a particularly good corner in um here in Washington because of the style he plays um and his ability to play what they call I guess it's called a matchup in the their zone concepts and he's already doing that at Maryland so I already thought he would be a perfect fit for for this team um 
So he wasn't a surprise in terms of where he could be on this group or this list. But I do get the four three was a surprise. The fact that both of them ran a four three, mm-hmm. and then the kid DJ Turner from Michigan was the other kid that ran the four two seven, which I didn't see. I don't remember. I don't remember seeing Turner when I watched Michigan. So that's a that's a case where you got to go back um, and watch the film or watch his highlight tape and see what see what you missed. Also, here's a surprise right here: Anthony Richardson, forty and a half vertical inch. All right, uh, that's the surprise. That's the okay. surprise. Not that, not what he did. I I never seen a quarterback jump that high. See, I, I knew this kid was – I knew he was going to steal this show. Uh, and then I told anybody that would listen to me that that's the guy that's going to – he's going to jump up the boy. He's going to do everything because he's going to test well. He's going to test out of the gym. And him and Love is putting on a, a show yesterday with their arms. And even Stetson Bennett got in. If there's a surprise, that's the surprise. The way Stetson Bennett came out a little bit yesterday for me, because I think he moved himself off of being a day three guy to a day two guy. So that's who I think was my personal biggest surprise from what I saw yesterday. Now, it's early, but if you had to rank the quarterbacks coming out of the combine, who's your one, two, and three? All right. So let's let me ask this question first. Okay. Is this is this off of my likes, or is this off of what I think will happen? Oh, this is all for you. This is all you. I don't care what's right, so, going to so, happen. So I want to hear what you got to say. So one, not my number one is Anthony Richardson. My number two okay. is Will Levis. Uh, three is Stroud. Four is Young. For okay. me. And, and 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 anybody that knows me knows I'm a sucker for strong arm QBs. If you can, if you, you ain't got to. They were talking about Levis throwing at 59 miles per hour. And somebody was like, well, when we'd ever throw a football 59 miles per hour? Uh, maybe on an 18-yard dig when you got to fit it between the safety and the linebacker? Maybe that's when you do it? Like, it's it's going to happen. Quarterbacks do it. Brett Favre used to throw the ball 50, whatever it was, all the time just to crank it in. Rocket yeah. balls. And see, and I always got to believe, you know, if there's daylight, I can get it through there. So that's so that's how I see it that way. For, for what I think the punters are going to do, I think it's going to be – I think Stroud falls to four um, because he doesn't have the upside. Bryce Young does have the consistency. So I, st- I think Bryce stays at one, Levis goes two, Richardson goes third. Then you get Stroud as the last one. But all four of these guys will be gone in the top seven. So whoever has the seventh pick is picking the last – they're going to get the scraps of what's left. And, you know uh... – the draft is always on Thursday night. We always go live during a draft. Okay. And we so I, I would love for you to be ready for that. So we can go live and you can go ahead and call the next pick. Cause I look, I'm already I'm already ready to take bets on these. Cause I'm like, yeah, if the midnight riders say this guy's going next, that's who I'm betting on. That's the odds of it. Cause he said it's next. I mean, it's just if you if you listen, I've listened a whole lot and I watch a lot of college football. And I think the thing that's going to help Levis is that he played at Kentucky. And if you look, he gets that – he has this kind of the same effect that Dak had. Where he did, If you look at their number one running back, their number one wide receiver, they probably wouldn't play anywhere else in the country I mean, in that conference as a starter. They only started at Kentucky. So that's, that's where he's behind the eight ball. He doesn't have the same talent that everybody else has. He doesn't have the Jamar Chase, 
um, the Kenyon Boutes. Um, he doesn't have those guys. The uh, so so he's not going to have the same arm stat, the same stats. You know what I'm saying? Still not going to look as pretty um, or aesthetically pleasing as everybody else. So that's where he comes in, at, and I think he's going to be too easily, easily. And then the, what he said yesterday too, he's like, "Oh, I'm definitely going to throw because I got a cannon." NFL scouts will eat that up, man. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing. I was talking to uh, Gary, and I was telling him uh, he was telling me about the O lineman. I wanted to see that O lineman work out. So that I wanted to see who who shine because Ron Rivera said we're looking at O linemen and we're looking at uh cornerbacks and cornerbacks have shine. And speaking of which, uh I heard Shaquille Griffin could be a possibility here in Washington because he's his own corner, he works, and everybody's like, Well, we can move fuller to the slot. Somebody said, Why do y'all keep trying to move fuller to the slot? It's not gonna work. Right. And I loved it. I loved that exchange. However, I have to look at it like this. If we're looking at O-line play, give me your top offensive line that Washington has a chance of getting. Oh, the first guy I've taken this kid every time with my either my first or my second round pick. Um, it's John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, the center. I think they just gotta get that position right. They can't, they cannot um Wait, wait on Ruye. In the worst case scenario, if Ruye doesn't um, pan out or doesn't stay healthy, you have something that's a natural center that can make the calls and make everything happen. And you're not depending on um, Spencer Lawson, um, even though he played well then in that stretch. But still, I just need somebody that I know. And I don't know what this guy if he can get hurt or not. But you just gotta, you just gotta take that chance. You gotta go up for a kid. Um, the, the tackle from Maryland intrigues me, but I'm a little nervous about him. Uh, that's the kid, Jalen Duncan. And then we have the guard, Osiris Torrance from Florida. Um, it's another person that intrigues me because we need guard play big time. So I think those are one, two, and three kind of for me. It's the faceful guard play. Yes. Are, we, guard not re- are, are we not re-signing West Weisser? Uh Our guard play is terrible. So you're we need to get rid of so so first and foremost, Trey Turner need to go. Uh Andrew Norwell, he can go. And you just gotta start from there because more than likely you're starting Cosme at, at one guard. You're you're pushing Cosme down because they've been trying to push Cosme down the whole time. Okay. So your guards are Cosme, Chris Paul, um, what's the other kid? Um, Sadiq Charles, and then whoever else is one other person. And that's either going to be the kid you draft or the person you bring in through free agency. Here's my thing. Wes Schweitzer, when he plays, and uh, they put him at backup, but when he's on the field, he has, and run and run blocking, he has more win shares than anybody in the league. And pass blocking, he does not allow sacks. Why am I getting rid of one of the best guys who worked hard to get there? Like, the dude out of pads has slimmed down. I've watched his workouts. He's slim down. He's agile. And I'm going to stand on the table to keep West, West Schweitzer because when it, I told him online, I said, dog, if I ran behind you right now at 40 years old, I could pick up a buck 25. All I got to do is wait for you to pull, grab your shirt tail, and let's go. That's how good he is on run blocking. That dude right there can block his ass off. I love you. got to keep him in house. 
I love it, but he got to stay healthy. Like right now, you, you, your availability has got to be your best ability. Okay, and, and that's I the problem that. this line has had. But that's and, the problem we've had for years. We've and, always, and maybe, okay, go ahead. No, we, go ahead. We've always had that problem. You know when we don't have that problem? When Bubba Tire is the is the head athletic trainer, we don't have that problem. We need Bubba back. That's what we need. Because whoever else we get, we can't keep nobody healthy. Okay. But you not being on Schweitzer, I need you to get on this Schweitzer train. I, you know what? I haven't started my offseason look. Like, I'll go back and watch the season. Um, normally, um, in a couple of weeks, I'll go back and, like, kind of piece together a couple games and see what I see. But the problem is he can't be, he can't be your backup center ever again. No, because he's better not at guard. I mean, you give up that dream. No, 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 no. You gotta give up that dream. Well, he's a, he's a guard. Yes, he's a guard. That's all he is. He's he's not your backup center. He's not your emergency center. He's a guard. Here's my thing. I love him at center, but I prefer him at guard. You no, know, no, 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 no. Hold no, on, no. let me explain. Let me he explain. Play guard. He cannot play center anymore. Let me explain. The reason why I say I love him at center because he's a body. <laughs> he was healthy, and we needed somebody. In there. That's why I loved it. But having him at guard is a better attribute than having him at center. Because, but having him at center, it looked like they were just lost. It's like no repetition. And he, it's like he didn't get the reps. He didn't get the 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 the. He didn't he get anything. He struggled with the snaps. Yes. And it's like they, it's like they was like, "Hey, Wes, go play center." Well, I haven't practiced it. Go play it. Like it's it's just the way, yeah, you know, the way the snaps are coming off. And as a quarterback, if you the second you take your eyes to go find the football, you got to pick them back up. You done lost a couple of seconds and just trying to figure out where everything is. Yeah, yeah. So now you're fishing to figure out what's going on. Well. We're going to jump over the NFL draft questions. And I, I had a question for you. I can't remember what the damn question was. Oh. Chicago. Right. Chicago has been in talks with different teams about that number one pick. And word on the street, they're going to get a quarterback with that number one pick. But people are inquiring about Justin Fields. My question to you with this draft question on draft day, why would you ever trade a Justin Fields, who's a dual threat quarterback, who hasn't had any weapons in Chicago? Why would you trade a guy that you never built around to bring in another guy in the same situation who does almost the exact same thing? Thanks for taking my call. I hang up and listen. All right. So I'm going to take this question two ways. So first part of this, let's think about it like this. Let's go economic standpoint. I'm a new GM. I'm just getting this team. It's my first full season with this team. I get a if I get rid of Fields, who's already been in the league two to three years, I'm two years away from having to pay this man. So why would I do two years of him, build around him, and then have to start making cap decisions in two years? Whereas if I get rid of him. Get the capital from trading him. Get this brand new kid in. A, this is my kid that I handpicked and I, I scouted. I, I found. This is my guy. This is not some guy I inherited. That's A. B, 
I get a full four years of him on a rookie deal as opposed to two years, and then I got to sign Justin Fields to a long-term deal. So I got four years now where I can build this team any way I want for four years. I can go get whatever because he's cheap. So that's why I would do it one. Two, the simplest part is I ain't draft him. So since I didn't draft the kid, I can cut bait with him. It's, I'm bringing my guy with my coaching staff, with my, my philosophy, and then I can still build. So that's the other reason why you make the move. I get the dude threat. I love the kid. I've loved the kid since I watched him, Sam Hartman, um, on QB1 or Talking QB1 on Netflix. So I have no problems with the kid. I just think from a business decision standpoint, if I'm a GM, I'm starting the clock over. I'm getting me my quarterback. And I'm gonna figure it out from there because now I'm because what I'm also gonna do is when I move fields, whatever picks I'm getting, I'm drafting me a running back, I'm drafting me a wide receiver, uh, I'm getting some line help, I'm doing all those things to put something around my guy and build my team my way because I'm Ryan, I think it's Ryan Pros, and I'm the new GM, so it's it gets to be my situation and my setup. Go ahead because I know what you're gonna say, but go ahead, number one. Mm-hmm. My my GM philosophy is way different, way different. Now, mind you, I don't have any NFL GM experience. You know, that's my dream. That's one of my dream jobs, along with you know owning the funeral home. That's if I could pick one of those two careers, I'd be set for life because I'm good at both of them. Because as a GM, I'm gonna bring in people that know more than me to make me look good. So, right. but however, you have Justin Fields. Okay, if you take Justin Fields and you say, all right, I'm the new GM, you have to look at the team from top to bottom. What do I need to change to make this kid successful? Can I make him successful? I don't care if he's not my guy or not. And I hate to use this because it doesn't translate, but it kind of does, but it doesn't. And I got to switch it over to Madden. I did a Madden franchise where I simulated 10 years in the future. Right now, mind you, none of these guys I've drafted, I took over as owner of this team. I looked over the team and I said, okay, right before the draft, I hadn't scouted anybody. I said, okay, they need this, this, and this. All right, let's go get in the draft and see if we can win with it. We went 13 and three, won the Super Bowl because with guys that that I only drafted, maybe six guys because they had traded away so many draft picks. I traded away six guys. I mean, I, I won six, six. I won. Uh, I had six draft picks. Built the team up. Come back the next year. I build the team up again with draft picks. You know, I went and made some trades and traded a number one for uh, 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 to trade up. I traded with Dallas to get the number one overall pick. They needed a quarterback. I traded my backup quarterback to get the number one overall pick. I'm good with that. I used that pick to pick a receiver that I need. Yes, overall? because I need. Yes, one I, overall. I, I, you, if if I tell you who it is, because I imported the draft class, it was Justin Jefferson. Okay, and I need I needed him as a compliment to my other receiver that I picked. So now I have two thousand yard receivers who do it, but I had a run. I, I didn't need anything else. O line play was already straight. 
I needed a receiver or a middle linebacker, but I had a middle linebacker in-house that I was grooming. When I got there, he was a 67 overall. I worked on him. I got him up to a 76. Now he's my starting middle linebacker. He ain't letting nothing go. Like the kid can move. He got superstar attribute. I'm good with that. I don't care. <laughs> I groomed him into what he needed to be. And, so I, and he's on a small deal. But my, my point right, so is you bring in, you work with what you have and see if you can win. And then you start moving parts. But you can't, I, I don't like that where he's not my guy. I don't want him. All right. But this is year three for him, right? Right. So I'm, he's year three. Next year, I have to answer the question do I either take his fifth year option up? Because I got to pick it up sooner than later. Yes. Um, and that's that's another question. I'm gonna, we're going to come. So we got more NFL questions. Um, so you got to pick up his 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 fifth year option, and then you also got to sign. So three years is your window right now. You're looking at this okay. year, next year with him. This is why I'm saying I'd rather have the five. Start my clock fresh. Give me five years, because now with five years, I can I can put a couple guys. Just like you said. So now when I'm signing guys to three, four year deals. It's in this window that I'm creating myself. I'm creating a window from year two to year four. This is um, um, pro pro um, career where we should be at our peak. We should be able to do whatever we have to do. And the reason we're doing that is because it's a short window and I got to pay him soon. I'd rather pay in five years than in three years. That's just my GM philosophy in that situation. But if you don't, oh, you're going to have the same problem. You bring in Bryce Young, okay. but he has no receivers, no running back. You have none of this stuff around him. Yeah, dude, because I'm drafting. Because, and so what you're doing is, all right, so you trade fields. You're probably getting, let's say you get a one, three, and a conditional two the next, the following season. Something like that. I'm going to keep it very loose. So with the the pick you pick up at one the one first round pick, um, depending on where it is, because you're not going to trade it too far down, because you still want to get you elite talent. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, because you're taking the quarterback with your first pick, so your second first rounder, you're going to either draft the best player available, whether it's um, Skaronski, the the tackle from Northwestern, um, whether it's uh, Johnson from Georgia, the other tackle that's out there. Or you might go draft you um, an elite running back. Uh, the name I'm going to always say is B. John Robinson. I'm going to say his name the whole draft period because there's no running back that's going to be – he's going to be the first running back taken in the top 15. It just depends on where. And if he gets to 16, the, the commander should lick their chops and just be ready for the phone line to explode. Um, But you get your running back. You get your wide receiver – because this class is full of um, good wide receivers. So um, the kid Jordan Addison is, is probably one of the best receivers in this, in this draft. The kid Zay Flowers, the 5'10 kid out of Boston College, who if he had a quarterback um, the last two years, he would have been a star. So it's, it's, it's the impact of wide receivers, rookie wide receivers. Last year you had Chris Olave with 1,000 yards. You had Garrett Wilson with 1,000 yards. You had 700 yards from um, – um, Jahan Dotson, so they make impacts right away. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can, if you can get your big three in your first four rounds of this draft, you're walking in way better. 
because all they were coming in with is David Montgomery, who's been slow as dirt, but he can run over people. Uh, Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech is decent. Um, you tag anybody with Mooney, Mooney finally goes down to where he's supposed to be as a two or a three receiver. So you start p- making your roster better by, by putting people down where they're supposed to be on the depth chart. And David Montgomery should be finding a U-Haul and going somewhere else. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, nah, because as you're talking, I'm looking down and I'm pulling up some things. Now, you can have these draft picks, but free agency. According to OverTheCap.com, the Bears will have $91.8 million in free agency money. Okay? With $98 million, I'm sorry, $91.8 million, you can go get a Jacoby Myers because you get Jacoby Myers in the slot. No, okay. we're not doing that. You, you you're not picking up you're not picking up Orlando Brown to show up your offense line. You can do a lot that, of work. That, that, I'll do that, but I'm not picking up Jacoby Myers. I could draft a kid in the fifth round and give me the same quality of a Jacoby Myers. Oh, uh, I was gonna let you have Evan Ingram too. What? <laughs> okay, running back wise, I know you don't. Get... Nah, I, 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 no, no, Evan Ingram is a free agent. He a free nah, agent. He, I think they franchise tag him. Ugh. I don't know why, but hey. Yeah, hey, I don't know why either. Um, I mean, he did have a good year there, though. I think he had 800 yards and eight touchdowns, if memory served me correctly. He did play some good ball for him. I'm still bitter yeah. to what he did to me three years ago in Daggone uh, Fantasy. I needed to win a game. He couldn't even catch a pass just so I could win a game. But Leonard Fournette, would he fit in Chicago? Why? I mean, hell, I'm just I'm throwing names out there. He's a running back. I'm throwing names. This is you you keep forgetting this is the house of Shanahan, and we don't believe in old running backs. House of Shanahan, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I felt that way before once. I was like, Yeah, I'm not signing a 34-year-old running back, but then I was I'm like, I'm gonna go ahead and sign him because he still got a 98 screen. I didn't run screens with him. Nah. Hey. He was good. I use him just like Joe Riggs, right around the goal line. That's Pound fine. That, in there. that works on Madden. I'm- <laughs> yeah, that works on Madden. That don't work in real life no more. <laughs> we get to the goal line now. We throwing the ball like like it's nothing. So no, I don't know, man. Smash Mouth football does not exist anymore. So you know, it, there is no you know. Hey, Jerome Bettis, three carries, three yards, three touchdowns. There right, is no exactly. more that. There, there's nah, no more that. Good. Um, but with $91 million, you don't have to get everything in the draft. You can go shopping and you can get what you need in the draft, but you can go ahead and say, you know what? The draft is like going to Harris Teeter, right? You can go to Harris Teeter in the draft, but you say, you know what? Sometimes Harris Teeter don't have what I need. Let me go over here to this giant, which is the free agent market on the first couple of days. That's giant. Then it it, kind of bumps down. You know, it's giant and Safeway. Then it kind of bumps down the food line. Then it bumps down the shoppers. Then it bumps right. down the Aldi's. Right. Then it bumps down the save a lot. Okay. <laughs> so, that's what it does. But if I'm going to shop for the groceries, I got to. My thing, my mindset is not, well, Justin Fields is not my guy. Just because Justin Fields is not my guy, I got I want to see what I can do with him. I want to evaluate him talent wise if I put the weapons around him. If I give him the tools to win, at least two of those years, I don't have to pick up the 50 options. I can let him roll. I can let but him now go. Now you're starting all over again at quarterback. 
you're, you're two years into your regime and you're starting over a quarterback if you if you don't bring him back. That's the whole. That's what. That's the point. I'm trying to. That's why it makes more sense to get rid of him than it does to keep him. If you're if you're not if you have questions, what you just said, why 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 be in the quarterback market in two years when you got five years? And that's 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 the whole thought process for me. I get it. I get because now I, you're like, oh, I give him weapons. Two years, we're, we're out of it. Now we're starting over again. And more than likely, in this league at year three, if he if it's not fixed, I'm looking for a job. Yeah, yeah, because the, nobody gets five years anymore. Nobody no. gets five years to say, hey, let me uh, let, let let me give you five years to put this thing together. You know, I think Ron Rivera got five years because of ownerships and in, in flux, and I'm glad he's getting five years because we see improvement. Well, it's not even ownership in flux. It's the fact that he's the only steady hand that this organization has. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I like Jason Wright a lot, but even the stuff that he does, I mean, the mistakes they make, you know, with the, whether it's the shield, the um, – it was something else they did. Oh, the Sean Taylor thing. Yeah. All that stuff, man. Um, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not coming together well. So my whole thing was, and I made a joke this week because I saw where the New York State um, Highway Authority put a section of the highway and named it after Jackie Robinson. But when they made the the uh, memorial, the, the Jackie part was spelled wrong. It was J-A-K-I-E. And I joke that they must have had the commander's talent team or PR team do the setup for the for the highway. So I'm sorry. But yeah, it makes sense. Everything else. I mean, but it's true. Remember uh uh the Natinals jersey? Oh, oh, the London Flucker? Yeah. It's so many episodes that yo we you can't get dc to spell nothing sometimes (laughs) i don't know who they must have got this firm out of deep in virginia they can't do anything yo it's crazy man uh man i'm i I, so here's my question to you okay because you said draft question but we're gonna change this is just the nfl question okay um and it's it's a local question so chase young is it Mm -hmm. right or wrong to pick up his fifth year option right wrong why why do you feel it's wrong i say it's right because you know we we lost a a season of him we saw what he could do his rookie year when he was healthy we saw he he could make an impact uh that second year the problem is a lot of hero ball and that wasn't just him that was everybody but it looked it looked like the team played better while he was out but he has to learn how to fit inside of the scheme. He doesn't have to be the guy. But I say right to pick it up because we need to get that fifth year to get him going, to you know, get him to the heights that he should be at. The only reason it's wrong is because when you give him the fifth year, the fifth year now is injury protected. So if he gets hurt in the next two se- in the next the fourth season, and it's a it's a ACL or something like that. You're on the hook for it. He's got to be on your roster year five, no matter what. That's the only reason. I, and then, and then you're paying him whatever the the jump is. If it jumps up to fifteen or eighteen million, whatever that jump is, you're guaranteeing that. And that's the only reason I don't do it is because I feel like if 
his year, this is year four coming up anyway. So this year is his proving year. Yeah. And midway through the season, if he's showing me he's balling out, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and jump and make the extension talk and give him the extension during the season. And that way the next year his cap number drops, and I'm not getting the full effect of his his fifth year deal number will be so much higher than the first year of an extension. Dig it. Dig it. I just I... now now I'm in GM mode. Now I'm trying to save money. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, one thing I can say about Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew is they have given up some of the most cap friendly deals to certain players. And, you know, they're not putting people in for long term. You're not getting five years, 120 million to guys. You're not committing that type of money. But they're committing good money to good guys. And they're, the, the contracts are compared to what we're used to. The contracts look a lot better these days. They do because they seem like that the, the guaranteed money is there. It's there enough for the player to be happy, but it's not to the point where we're like, oh, man. Oh, we, we lost this guy nine years ago. He's still on our dag on uh, our books. But now, you, now you're talking chicken on the egg conversation. And I tell you, so the chicken is, are we being financially responsible? The egg is, is it because the owner doesn't have the cash on hand um, because he's cash strapped. So once you sign a person for one of these deals, that money has to go in escrow. And if you only got the cash, you can't make that deal happen. So which one is it? Are we being physically responsible or are we just physically strapped because our owner doesn't have money? Well, it's kind of hard to believe he don't have. But you, you mean he don't have liquid money. Right. So, so, so that's you, totally different. So you heard about the 55 million, right? Yes. He took a, a loan out that was approved by the NFL owners. So he's got that. Then you heard about where he charges the team to use his jets. I didn't get that far, really. So it's like it's like a four million dollar charge for the jet. Um, then there's like he gets a ten million dollar salary. This is all alleged. This is all from pieces that I've taken out of the ESPN article. So or the Washington Post article. This is not me reporting anything. Um, so no need to send the cease and desist. Um, but these are just things that have been reported that allegedly have happened. So there's that. Then there's the full million that he gave himself because he put the logo on the plane. So he called that advertising. So I don't know how, I mean, I don't know how often you're in the airport on the private jet side and you look at the logo and be like, oh my gosh. And I think about the Redskins now because I just saw that plane with the logo on it too. Um, so yeah, like there's been some things going on that just doesn't look right. And I think for him, unfortunately, he's dug himself in a hole that he can't get out of. And, and like sometimes you shoot yourself in the foot so much that you don't have any allies anymore. And I think all his allies are gone. Well, take this as a grain of salt. I saw this before we got on air. Saw when I got up this morning. Take this as a grain of salt. It's not 100% factual but the owner of the houston rockets is said to be finalizing a deal to buy this team okay not my choice to be honest not my choice but when they said no bezos i was like anybody that buys this team i'm i'm, I'm on it like hey 
As soon as they buy the team, I'm calling them, hey, let's go to lunch. You know, let's sit down and talk. I don't want to talk about nothing team related. I just want to tell you thank you, and I want to buy you lunch. You know, I, I want to take them out to like Ponderosa <laughs> or something, you know, Sizzler or something. We can go to Chi Chi's if you want. Shit. But anybody that buys this team that's not Jeff Bezos, I'm good with it. And I'm I'm not a really big Bezos fan. I, I really, I mean, what he did with Amazon, yeah, it's convenient. I think about the employees. Right. And I'll leave it at that. Because um, if you don't know the horror stories of the employees, and I mean, he may not know none of them. He may not know none of the stuff. I mean, I mean like, that's the other thing. Um, even with the Snyder case, sometimes some of these guys are so um, far removed from some of the situations that they don't know the pressures they put on people and when you don't hire the right people. Um, you get a lot of people quitting quitting the manager and not the job. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this place... Washington has been uh, notorious for having really good people leave. Yeah. When you when when you have good people and good talent leaving the building on a regular basis, it tells me more. There's more of an issue with the people in place than it is with the individual that's leaving. Agree. Because you can't you can't tell me every good person that's here does does a terrible job and then all of a sudden they have to go somewhere else. I think they're handcuffed. I think I honestly think Jason Wright's handcuffed to to the utmost. And sometimes he just has to cover it up and make it seem like it's his idea. And it's really not like the, the Sean Taylor Memorial two years ago um, where they were out in front of the porta potties, like stuff like that. I felt like this franchise is so reactive and we have such a big history of being reactive that like literally a phone call came in and was like, hey, we got to get this done this week and boom, boom, boom. And that's why it dropped like on a Wednesday and then finally Friday. I mean, they were fine. Like, yeah, Taylor, we've been having this in mind, but it, that's not the case. And it's all because they got to save PR, just like the Hogs at the final game this season with Sonny Jurgensen. It's all PR. They've been trying to save themselves from themselves um, for the last two, three years. Well, actually, since they've been here. And that's the biggest problem. For Daniel Snyder to be such a big Redskins fan, I don't see how you bumble certain things. I don't see how it took so long to retire Sonny Jurgensen's number. I don't see how long how it's taking so long to retire Daryl Green, Art Monk, uh, officially retired, retired Joe Theismann. I mean, yeah, you took him out of circulation, but taking him out of circulation as 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 opposed to giving them a ceremony and saying, "Hey, we're going to retire your jersey. Your number is going to hang like." Joe Gibbs, Joe Gibbs headset should be retired. You know, I'm not saying, oh, nobody can wear this headset, but he should get a a ceremony himself just for being who he is. What people mean to this organization, and that's why a lot of people don't come back for the alumni events and all of that, because, man, it, it, it feels so forced now. But you got guys like Andre Carter, and 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 uh, uh, Philip Daniels, Redskin. I'm sorry, Commanders legend. What did you do that was legendary, man? Right. They just only they the only people that just came by. That's that's the only thing they they've done is they were there. That's their greatest accomplishment. I hate it. I hate the simple fact that they throw out the word legend like it's candy. I don't right. like that. 
Right. And that, totally that, that's where you gotta you you gotta change that. When you talk about changing the culture, that's a part of the culture. Everybody's right. not a legend. Right. Everybody's not a great. You know, the, the most humble and esteemed Andre Carter. I, I'll take that. Right. You know, the most humble, like I love Ken Harvey to death. Is Ken Harvey a legend? I mean, damn, he was a monster, but I can't. Ken Harvey didn't win here. Right. You know, he was the, he was the probably the best player we had on the team, but the teams didn't win. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't flash the hardware, I can't call you a legend. If you weren't a part of one of those teams, like an intricate part, Doc Walker can be considered a legend. Uh, 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 Mark Rippon can be considered a legend because you know why they were intricate parts of Super Bowl winning teams, right? Exactly. So, you know, that, that, that you go down as a legend of the team, I get that. Santana Moss, you can consider him a legend because Monday Night Miracle put him in legendary status in Redskin Law. Mark Brunel. You know, that's, that's funny that you even so there's like that's that's one that they always play, but it's two plays that Santana made that always it always amazes me that they're not in heavy rotation. There's the Kansas City game where he takes the screen 76 to 78 yards for a touchdown. And I think that's that's gotta be Brunel because that's when we had that short offense. Mm -hmm. And then there's a overtime catch against Jacksonville. I want to say it's like 0-4. Um, I think it's like the first play of overtime. And I don't I don't see that a lot in his highlight reels. Like I see everything else and I remember everything else, but those two catches somehow don't make the list. And I, I never I see I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've seen him maybe in one highlight reel. But he number one, he endeared himself to this area. Yeah. And he endeared himself to this team, and he will always be considered a legend. However, the way Jay Gruden treated him that last season really rubbed me the wrong way. He was inactive, and I'm like, okay, dude, we have no receivers. Let the Tanner man play. We need him right now. He wouldn't let him play inactive, inactive, inactive. Oh, he's active. Then it was, oh, inactive. Why? Why? And Jay Gruden was one of those, well, he's not my guy. That's what he was. That's what he was doing. He's not my guy. That's how he felt about RG3. He felt that way about Santana Malls. And I'm like, that's the guys you should have, I mean, not RG3 per se, but those are, Santana Malls is a guy that you need to keep in the locker room. You need to keep him around. He still had gas left in the tank. Let him help out these young puppies, man. Take the pressure off him a little bit. Just my opinion. But you went with Niles Pole. You know, that's, those are the guys you went with. So, yeah. I'm a little emotional right now, so I'm sorry. That's another show. Yes, it is. That's content. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're in the month of March. And the NCAA conference championships and conference tournaments, I'm sorry, are heating up. 
Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would love to win the 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 the, the um NCAA tournament. Once everybody's picked and all the seeds are picked, I would love to go on show that if we can do we can do three shows that we if we go that Monday, if they pick on Sunday, we go that Monday and we go through and we pick all the way down to the championship game and we fill out the oh, bracket. Uh, that's that. Uh, that's how I'm trying to go. I can't. I can never get the boss BJ to do this. I'm gonna get you to do this. Somebody gonna ride me this year. I'll do it. I mean, the problem is that's probably gonna be like one of like three brackets. But I can do. I'll do that. Oh yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm actually yeah. thinking about putting one in on CBS and actually, you know, seeing if I can win. Well, I do that every year. So every year I do CBS, and then I do the um, what is it, the ESPN mm-hmm. ESPN challenge. I remember one year I was at work. I was receiving manager. So I had everything pulled up on my computer. I had did my, my bracket and everything. I'm like thumping my chest. And it was good the first two rounds. I was all right. Man. Oh, yeah. It was God damn it. Everybody's like, what the hell wrong with you? I was throwing stuff. So my whole bracket then got busted, man. Two games. Bracket busted. My GM was like, you actually lost? I said, yeah. He said, oh, my God. He said, what was the game? I forget what the game was. It was a game he lost to. He was mad. I said, damn. I said, finally, we see we on the same page. He understood what I was saying. <laughs> because he knew that I wanted to take off the, you know, those day games. I love being home for those. Because when in high school, let's let's go with a little nostalgia. We had teachers that would actually turn the game on. And these were men and women. They would turn the game on and let us watch a little bit of the game during the day so we can see what scores and then be like, all right, we got to get down to class. I'll turn it back on before the end of class. And they kept us going. You know, you, we had one teacher that would go to other classrooms like, Hey, uh, uh Michigan beat so-and-so uh, earlier today and then leave out the room and be gone. But those, those days at school, that Thursday and that Friday was some of the best times. That's the only time that I love going to school because I never missed a game. I didn't have to cut class. I, I had to go to class those days because somebody was going to show the game. And being at work now as an adult and the technology we had with the phones and computers, I was pulling this stuff up on the computer and had it playing. And guys would come back, hey, what's the score? And i tell them the score. They'd be like, all right. They'd, you know, they walk by my desk, hey, what's the score? The GM found out what was going on. He was like, you got the game pulled up? I said, yeah, it's on the computer. He said, oh, man, what's the score? Everybody would just come to me. My phone would be my phone never rang and receiving unless it was something important. Hey, wait, what site you on? I'm on CBS. Man, I can't get it up here. They got it blocked. How you? I said because I'm not on my I'm not on the company account. I'm on my personal account on the computer. Oh, what's the score? You know, I had managers calling me. Man, everybody want what's the score? You know, you catch you walk out the door, go smoke a cigarette, you catch a little glimpse, and you walk. That's the type of stuff. That March Madness does to you. It brings people together. The NBA Finals, March Madness, and the Super Bowl. Three events that bring people together. People that don't normally talk to each other start talking to each other because it's either a game that they like, they find out they like the same team, or they got a rivalry going on. Right. Three times. That's funny because for us, it was when I was working, um, my manager would be like, look, like I used to send 
requests for meetings. I'm like, hey, we're going to sit down with this client um, on March 17th. And he's like, no, we're not. What you mean? He's like, dude, hey, I'm not going to be here because I'm out of town for the first weekend. I'm going to Carolina. I'm going here for the first weekend of the tournament. And B, don't you know it's the first weekend of the tournament? I was like, oh, okay. Or or you would go put in a request and and somebody beat you to the request for the days off. So now you got to be at work. So now you're on your computer because you know you ain't doing nothing after 12 on that Thursday and that Friday. You might as well, it's, it's a wrap. No, you, productivity has dropped off the face of the earth from t- after Thursday, Thursday at 12 and Friday at 12. And honestly, those are the best two days of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if we got to be honest, I think the tournament's a, there's a part of people watching the tournament that lie to themselves. They're like, oh, I want to see all the upsets. I want to see that. But when you get down to those final four, eight to four games, and you got some team like Chicago, Illinois versus um, George Mason, ain't nobody watching that because they don't identify with those teams. It's like you like the upsets early, but you don't like them late because now you don't relate to those teams. And I always find that funny. Like, I always laugh at that. I, I, I have never been a fan of the playing game. But now I'm, I, I like to watch the playing game. Playing games come on, like, Wednesday, Tuesday, yep. Wednesday sometimes. And I, I, I'll actually sit down and watch a little bit of it. But have you ever been you, here? No. Funny Dude. story. We were supposed to go to – what was it? Was it – it had to be – this is about four years ago. We had planned it. We was like, the regionals are coming to Capital One. We're going to buy the tickets. We're going in. We're, we're going in there as a group. Man, it came around in November when the t- I was like, tickets gone on sale, y'all. Let's go. We looked up the price. The cheapest ticket for one person was $1,000. We wanted to sit at least midway for all the games. $4,000. I said, man, I guess we're not going to make it, y'all. I said, I can't fade $1,000 right now. You know, I, I really can't. We got Christmas coming up and Thanksgiving, and everybody's like, yeah, I guess we'll be watching this on TV. I've always wanted to go to a regional. Um, I would love for D.C. to be the host city of, uh, of the Final Four. You know, and just to, just to experience that and to be able to say, hey, I was at the national championship. I, I've always wanted to, oh, any tournament game for real because, you know, you don't just get one game. Right. That ticket gets you three to four games sometimes. So 98, Mason's the host for the first two rounds because Georgetown was in the tournament. So it fell to us. So we got tickets for my roommate was um, head of our um, intramural department. I forgot what the actual title was, but he was like the office manager. So he, the tickets went through him. So, of course, we got tickets for – the first two, the two nights, we got all day, the day pass, the night pass, and then the Saturday pass or the Sunday pass actually was. So it's funny how first the fans shift. So for the first game, whatever that the two teams are, their fans are in the lower bowl and the teams that play after in the upper bowl. But once you start, the, moment, the way the momentum shift is the people up top will root for the underdog. And it will sound like a home game for the underdog. So I was at the infamous UConn versus LIU Brooklyn. And LIU Brooklyn had a guard, lefty guard, out of Jersey. He dropped 47 on um, Khalid Helamine 
uh, Richard Hamilton and Company. And but it was funny because they had all this mo- like the crowd was just jumping on their backs because everybody was trying to see the upset. But the only problem was they just they had so many guys trying to shoot the three that they shot themselves out of the ball game. But that week, that night, that whole two days is one of the most unforgettable sports experiences I've ever had because you just got to see like how teams come in, their traditions, how their fans react, the colors, um, how the stadium is just separated. It's a beautiful thing, man. You, If you ever get to do it, I would love to do it again. But I don't know if that's going to happen when we be in the cars. But, yeah, that was a great experience, man. The closest I've ever came to that was working for ESPN Zone in 2000. And I, I wish I still had all my basketballs. I had, like, several basketballs that I won during March Madness where you just had to ask trivia. And I'm a trivia guy. So they asking, you know, things and, you know, I'm winning all these basketballs. It was in Indianapolis. I think it was 2000 was Florida. I forget who it was Florida versus somebody. They took tape in the screening room. Now, you know, the screening room is with the big TV, with the big screen TV, with all the TVs going around it. If you remember, they took tape and split the whole room down the middle. I'm talking straight down the middle. Then you put one logo on the floor, the other logo on the floor. And whichever team, when you came in, you had to separate. They separated the teams. This dude came in. He was, I forget who it was. It was Florida versus somebody. And he was with Florida. His girl was with the other one. They had to separate and eat dinner separate. That's what's up. And but that, that creates a vibe and the energy. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you couldn't cross the line. So you got men and women yelling back and forth across the line. You see that? And the game, it was a good game anyway. And I want to say, I can't, I have to look it up, but whoever came down to the championship game, they did it again. And they were giving away everything. You know, food was good. Food was flowing. We made so much money that night. Only thing is, I worked in the arena. So I was down with the games and everything. Nobody was down there. Not Nassau was down there, man. And we were okay with that because we were looking up watching the TVs. Then you got, uh, what was that? Playoff game later on that year. Oh, you're giving away another. Sh- that's a show. Hey, well, I mean, shoot, time's the ESPN zone, man. Yeah, you got you a show right there, man. Oh my goodness, the, the memories, man. But hey, we got March Madness coming up. Well, it's already here. When that turn, when those uh, selection Sunday starts, I want to see where everybody goes. I know none of my my, my team's not going to be in. You know, we may. Um, I'm trying to work on something, but if the person cooperates we'll also have a female point of view when it comes to march madness i'm with if that they <laughs> if they cooperate because uh yeah. i do we were talking the all day the night we were talking basketball the night and when she was talking i was like yeah don't normal people don't talk like this about basketball not when yeah you you wasting this let's 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 get you on the show and let's yeah let's chop it up there i, I can't have you taking content <laughs> And I, I like to do the women's tournament too, so you know it's all my my my, my bracket always goes Maryland all the way. So you know, it's either Maryland, Maryland and South Carolina down opposite sides. Okay, I can that's do always that. my thing. So uh, when Selection Sunday comes, we'll print out the brackets. We'll come through. That'll be a whole show to itself. Just picking 
the tournament as it is and see how good we can do it. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, that's the Midnight Rider. I'm the big guy, KG. We don't do no overtime. We are out of here.